Hi, my name is Joe Alterman, and I'm the executive director of the Atlanta-based concert and culture series Naranina, which means in Hebrew, let's come together and sing and celebrate Jewish contributions to music and the arts. I'm thrilled to welcome you back to our podcast, Behind the Notes, and for today's conversation with one of my favorite comedians, the incredible Modi. It's been an incredibly difficult, sad, confusing, and tricky time since the terrorist attacks in Israel on October 7th. Today's conversation is entitled Laughter in a Time of Mourning, and we ask the question, can we still laugh while we're sad and angry, fearful and uncertain about the war in Israel and the rise of anti-Semitism? I'll be speaking with Israeli-born, Long Island-raised comedian Modi about the healing power of laughter and how it can bring us together as a community. We will also discuss Modi's rise to fame as a Jewish comedian, the influence of comedians such as Jackie Mason, how it feels to be compared to comedic geniuses like Robin Williams and Richard Pryor, and why making people laugh is Modi's way of giving back to the Jewish community. This program is part of The Pulse, Moments That Matter, a series of frank conversations on culturally relevant topics with musicians, comedians, and other entertainment professionals to illuminate how being Jewish has shaped their experiences both personally and professionally. This program is sponsored by Moment Live and Naranana. And now I will turn it over to Moment Magazine's Director of Special Projects and Moment Live producer, Suzanne Borden. Now for today's program, which is part of The Pulse, Moments That Matter, a series of frank conversations on culturally relevant topics with musicians, comedians, and other entertainment industry professionals, and as a joint initiative of Moment Live and Naranana. It is my pleasure to introduce Modi. Born in Tel Aviv, Modi immigrated with his family to the United States at the age of seven and was raised on Long Island. After graduating from Boston University, he worked as an investment banker until his first open mic night made him realize that stand-up was his true calling. Modi has gone on to become a successful fixture in New York's vibrant comedy scene, often doing bits that incorporate his heritage. Modi was voted one of the top 10 comedians in New York City. She's, by the she's continuing on with my eulogy. <laughs> my, my eulogy. Modi uh, went to there and he did this and he's that. If they don't know who Modi is by now, they're going to log off. So I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian, a Jewish uh, comedian performing all over. Uh, if they want to go to IMBD or Wikipedia, they can get your entire eulogy of and we and then we can say Kaddish. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Just to let people know, uh, Joe Alterman, the executive oh. director of Naranana, is joining Modi today, and we'll skip. Uh, I'll, do, I'll, else. Do, I'll do his. I'll do his yes, introduction. Please. This, uh, from what I'm hearing, Moment Magazine was created by Ellie Wiesel, and if you Google Ellie Wiesel younger photos, he looks just like Joe Alterman. <laughs> that's that's all you need to know, basically, for this section. <laughs> He plays the piano. Uh, I saw him on Instagram. He plays Hatikva with all kinds of extra jazz notes to it, which is very <laughs> lovely. Uh, but if you want to continue on with his eulogy, feel free and go ahead. That's pretty you know, good. I, I, I will hand it over to the two of you. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks so much. That was that was a perfect eulogy for me. Exactly. Yeah. You really do look like Ellie Wiesel. I met Ellie Wiesel when he was um he was a professor at Boston University. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, and yeah. my friend Joe Konofsky was his fellow. 
Mm. I was like the dumbest guy in school. He was the smartest guy in school. He was Ellie Wiesel's uh, teaching fellow. Ellie flew in once a year, once a year, once a week to do the class. And I got to sit in on the class, not as a student, but as because my, my friend got me in mm. and they discussed books and they discussed issues. And it was... Um, it was a very big treat to have uh, been able to sit in on those classes. Wow, I bet. Yeah. Well, this is a treat for me. Thank you. First, you know, just thank you for doing this, but also just to start, I wanted to say thank you to you for doing what you do. I mean, you brought, I'm sure a lot of people here can agree. I mean, you brought so much light into my life and a lot of hard times. I really discovered you during COVID, during your near not far stage. And uh, <laughs> Your posts were like, you know, some some things I look most forward to during that time. So thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Keep laughing. <laughs> well, I think uh, the first question I had for you is typically probably the softest softball ever in any other time. But today it might not be. The, the first question is just how are you? <laughs> I'm great. I am, uh, I, yeah. wow, thrusted into a war. Uh, is what uh, we can say. Um, you know, when the war began, I was in Israel. I had just finished a tour of six unbelievably sold out shows in gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous performing centers in Israel, in Tel Aviv, Herzliya, Beit Shemesh, Yerushalayim. These, I mean, I was blown away by the theaters. So mm -hmm. beautiful and sold out shows. And it was Sukkot. It was the the Cholamoid, the, the days of the, the intermediate days of Sukkot. And the shows were all just unbelievable. Last show was on Thursday. Friday was uh, Erev Sukkot, the evening of Sukkot. And we were just having a great time at the... Satai Hotel in Yafo, the Arab village of um, Tel Aviv. We that night we sat in the sukkah and we were it was a cool group of people. Um, the owners of the hotel, the Nakash family, was there. And we were just sitting there laughing till literally two a.m. We all went to bed, and six a.m. the first uh, uh, rockets went off and the alarm went off. And so I was like, I thought maybe it's just uh, they're testing the system or something. So we stayed in bed. Then we went down for um, for breakfast. And uh, I had my phone on uh, Do Not Disturb, my favorite part of the phone. And um, I had no idea what was going on. No one, people have been like texting me, are you okay? What's going on? I didn't even look at my phone. And right there in the middle of breakfast, the or around 1030, the Iron Dome was released and we saw it meet the rocket right over um, the Tel Aviv area. And then we knew something was up. And then and then that was it. Um, I had the following week, the the like the, the the Monday through Thursday after the war shows in Paris. And luckily, the flight that we had left. Um, uh, that Saturday during the beginning of the war, the I guess Air France really wanted their flight, their airplane back on on their soil, and mm. so we that the, the flight took off. It was, if there's ever a, a definition of the word plotting, we were plotting until this flight took off. We landed in in Paris, and the war is in full bloom, and uh, people are watching horrific videos on their on their um on their phones and the question was do we do these shows and we did and uh thank god we did it mm. was it was surreal watching your audience looking in their phones 
at a war right before you go on. And we did those shows and that definitely let me know that we have to keep doing shows. And since then I haven't stopped. We've been doing fundraisers in Los Angeles. Um, I was in an event in, um, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I I have a show tonight in New York. Last night we did a big event for United Hatzalah, a last minute thing. All the hospitality people, the big owners of the hotels and big restaurants in New York, all got together. We made an event. I I, I hosted it, and um, they raised over a million dollars. It was absolutely uh, unbelievable. Um, and uh, tomorrow uh, uh, we're going to Europe for Brussels. Uh, Amsterdam and Frankfurt shows over there and uh, you have to keep going you have to keep going there's a war going on but people need like that hour and 10 minutes to just turn their heads off and regroup and like reset their their minds and then you can go back to the war but you know in my shows I've been uh, I've been singing Hatikva at the end just so when we finish the show people remember where their hearts are and uh and making donations to the charities that I believe are are amazing. Well, good for you. Thanks, thanks for all you're doing. And uh, I know, uh, yeah, I've I've listened to interviews with you since here, and you said that not doing art is like they win. And yeah, uh, yeah. And I was just curious: uh, was there ever any thought of canceling those gigs? And also, I was hoping I, for those who haven't listened to your podcast, and they should. You shared a a funny story about being in the same hotel with Bruno Mars <laughs> that morning. I was hoping. You could- <laughs> You don't it's have to. It, literally it's for comedy. You don't of people, don't 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 make a thing of it, people. It's just Bruno Mars. While I was in Israel, Bruno Mars had shows there, six thousand seat theater. He had three sold out shows. Kanai Nahara, and from what I hear, the shows were unbelievable. Mm. And so there we are, Saturday in the hotel, and he's staying in the hotel with us, and then. I'm looking out the window and I see a security detail shows up and like they take him and his dancers and his band and DJs or whatever that they, they take them all the way to their private airplane to take them out of the hotel. So I turned to, to Leo, my husband, and I said, oh, my God, thank God they took him away. He goes, why? I go, do you realize if a bomb hits this hotel and Bruno Mars dies? we will get absolutely no press coverage it, it will be like a will be a footnote on the bottom of of um of uh and then it's funny i said that people wrote in amazing things someone wrote um hey do you know when farrah fawcett died i go no she died the same day as Michael Jackson. Wow. <laughs> but no one knows that because <laughs> Michael Jackson died. No one's gonna know who else died that day. Anyway awesome. <clears throat> Uh, all serious aside, it's a joke. It's just a way to. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not like you know. Of course, it just yeah. It made me laugh after a time. It's been hard to laugh, so I thought people might be laughing. Also, uh, another one of those is Groucho Marx died the day before Elvis Presley, so that right. was completely overshadowed. Also, <laughs> completely, yeah, completely. But did did you ever con- uh, think about canceling the shows, or was there never a question about that? I had no, um, we work with an amazing producer for those shows is a company called MRG, which are, they're amazing. They produce the shows and they, um, they said, Hey, the the theater's ready. The theater's ready. And, um, I said, so am I, 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 I went on, there was an opening act, this kid named David, uh, Azria, 
And he is this French comedian, doesn't speak a word of English. And he is a Jewish comedian that's never been able to, he, he never had the opportunity to perform mm. in front of an all Jewish audience. Mm. He was so looking forward to this. And so he, he was my opening app. He was kind of the buffer between me and them turning their phones off from the war and then me coming on. And he had a great time and he was wonderful. And I never I, I, I never thought of canceling the show. It would never be my decision if the theater says so. The Thursday of those shows, there was a huge protest right outside the theater. The police asked us, please cancel the show. And mm. we're not going to go against their you know, request, especially since they've been so amazing and giving us. They had these armed guards in front of the theater and it was they were they were the the Paris police and national police uh, were amazing. Mm. They really stepped up and wanted to make sure that uh, that it was going to be safe and well done. And um, and it was it was great. It was it, we we moved that last show to a matinee, mm. which we lost a lot of people because it was a matinee on Friday, and some people didn't have enough time to get to their homes for Shabbat, but. I can't tell you what was these shows were sold out months, months ago. They went on sale and sold out like in, in minutes. And when we do the meet and greet at the end, people who buy the meet and greet tickets, people came there from Copenhagen, Italy, uh, Germany, England, uh, uh, Romania. I'm so glad we didn't cancel it. I'm so, so happy we didn't. Well, you can really tell it was the right decision. Oh, yeah. My, my, I was nervous for my first performances since. And they honestly, they've kind of felt like a big hug. Is that how, how have yours felt? Uh, yeah, like yeah, a big yeah. hug, especially at the end when I sing Hatikva with them. Mm -hmm. um, it it just, it refocuses. Here we are laughing and we know there's people that are hostages and people on the front line and people who have kids on the front line and we're laughing. So you kind of feel... Is this okay? But at the end, we sing Hatikva, so we all know that it's it's um, that that's really where our hearts are. Yeah. Do you feel at all that your role as a comedian has changed at all since October seventh? It's 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 a, a my my role now is to give a little bit of relief. Usually, my my role as a Jewish comedian is to make people proud of being Jewish, uh, shine a light, let non-Jews see the world through Jewish eyes. Right now, it's just to give a little bit of relief from this insane time that that, that we're in. Yeah, just a little time away from the phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know uh, we as Jews, we often use Jewish jokes as a form of therapy. And in some cases, like the producers, it's a revenge of sorts to exclaim that we're still here. And I was just curious, with everything going on and the rising anti-Semitism, are there anything, is, does anything feel off limits? Or do you ever fear that Jewish jokes could contribute to the rising anti-Semitism? Um, no, I, it's, it, it, no, I just, you know... You know, I've noticed that when I, especially when I do the shows in Europe, in Paris, in Germany, in um, all these places, that the audience, the Jewish audience is just so in shock to see somebody on stage yelling that they're Jewish. Mm. They just, it's so, it's still hidden over there, especially mm. in Germany. I, mean, I did the, the shows in Berlin. They were just coming over and I was, we just never see anybody yelling out that I'm a Jew. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have jokes where I say, yes, we control the money. Yes, we control the politics. Yes, we control the media as a joke, you know, as a fun. Um, 
and they're just in in shock in it and they they're so happy to see it you know yeah paris too they were like wow because the european jews are still kind of like very they try to stay very very under the radar you kind of give them an outlet to yeah jewish and they're proud of that yeah and i mean i guess I just have a couple more questions about what's happening right now. And I wanted to move on a little bit to your background and everything. But I was, you know, I'm curious. I know you're part of many communities. I know you're Jewish, Israeli, gay. You're part of the com comedy community. You're Orthodox. I was just curious, how have, has your relationships with any of these communities changed since October 7th? That's a loaded it, it, question, I know. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Uh, I don't know. I'm still a Jewish comedian and uh, I'm in that world. Mm -hmm. I'm in my... Uh, I'm in the regular comedy community. You know, when my show was canceled, I had a friend that was in Paris doing a show, Matteo Lane. And mm. he said, oh my God, I can't believe your show was canceled. Come come to my show. Mm. And I did tw 20 minutes with him. His, he, he has an all gay audience. Mm. So it was a lot of fun. And they were amazing. And he's an amazing comedian. He's like comedy family. And so the comedy community has been very supportive. I've mm. been getting DMs from all my comedic friends. Uh, mm. Jim Gaffigan, I don't know if you saw the tweet he had, uh, which I reposted, which was just amazing. He's so, so funny and he's mm. so brilliant and he worded it so well. He said, uh, I guess, I, I forgot how exactly he said it, but um, he said, um, I, I, I guess my Jewish friends aren't, they, they they were they weren't being that paranoid right. something like that so, so someone had a very funny r r remark and said we should make a blessing bore pre hagafigan which that's, i thought was was that's genius oh yeah <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah i wish i wish i came up with that <laughs> well you 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 got you you could take the credit here no i can't take a credit here <laughs> oh, someone's right. joke is someone's joke yes all right well uh i know you know comedy is healing your comedy is hearing healing and therapeutic to so many and i just is it therapeutic for you too i mean or what do you like to watch or listen to to help you feel therapeutic during difficult times like that? i will tell you um uh, your, 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 the first part of your your your, your question, when I, when I, when I, when I do a comedy show, I really feel like it's I, I see it, mm. it's Mashiach energy. I look in the audience. My audience is Orthodox Jews, Reform Jews, non-Jews, gays, people who were just brought in by friends who are Jewish and are not Jewish because you have to see this Jewish comedian. You have to. And it's it's just, I see it. Everybody's laughing. It's Mashiach energy. And mm. I will tell you, the person having the most fun in the room is me. Yeah. <laughs> is 100% one, one me. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and that's just, that, that's what it is. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that brings me to, you know, I've been so curious about what made you embrace your Judaism as one with your comedy or how has your Judaism being Jewish influenced your comedy and vice versa? Obviously, it's a huge part of it. Uh, you, you know, when you start doing comedy, um, especially me, I had no desire to be a comedian. I was uh, in banking and then my friend said, I used to imitate the secretaries that I worked with. And my friend said, you should be doing this on stage. And then um, I did. And at that time, it was just over the top uh, accents and personalities and mm -hmm. characters. 
And then you eventually begin to develop your voice. Mm -hmm. uh, and my voice was very Jewish. And that mm -hmm. was uh, that was what it was. And so th that's how that began. There's a great trumpet player named Clark Terry who used to be on Johnny Carson's show and play with all these all these greats. He used to say that the process to learning, he was talking about jazz, but I'm wondering if it relates to you, is was imitate, assimilate, innovate. Would imitate, assimilate, innovate. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of copying people, then you speak the language, then you kind of create your own language. I'm with you on that. You, you know, my biggest... Um... My my biggest uh, influences were comedians that I used to watch their cadence. Obviously, mm -hmm. you don't take jokes, you. But I watched their cadence. Alan King, one of my favorite comedians, I used to watch his special all the time and just watch how he told the jokes and the way he presented it and his pauses that were amazing. And um, mm -hmm. and that's I guess it, Im, you're you're imitating. You're doing. I I, I hate imitations. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not a big fan of imitations, but I, I imitated his cadence and his style and obviously Jackie Mason, the whole thought of, you know, showing the world what the world looks like through Jewish eyes, which has changed since Jackie Mason, the, 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 the Jewish world and the Jew, Jewish view of the world has changed since then. But the fact that he showed it, uh, was, was was gr gr groundbreaking totally yeah and you yeah. i guess you you need to spend some time imitating the people whose styles you like to kind of take everything you like about yeah. them you like to make it your own and yeah i know you studied cantorial singing and i was just curious you know to talk about practice is um how you spent many hours practicing music obviously and comedy obviously and i was just curious if you could speak a little bit about the similarities and differences between practicing music and practicing comedy I mean, uh, I, I'm not saying I'm a musician. I'm a I I trained at the Bell School of Music to be a cantor and learned the nusach, the mm. motif of the prayers, and then you have to develop your your own. You have to learn voice on your own. And I had some great teachers. Mm. Uh, again, a complete hobby, not my uh, mm. vocation. Um, and uh and that's where you can do a lot of imitations and mm -hmm. and uh and people love when you do their 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 types of of uh of singing i actually had on my podcast i had benny roganitsky mm -hmm. who's kind of like the the champion of the cantorial world right now he himself is a cantor and has released some albums on how to on the proper Nusach, the proper motif of prayers, and mm. I told him on the podcast that there's a few things of his I stole. <laughs> um, you know, so so he he was flattered, flattered, couldn't have been happier. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, yeah. Does music still play a role in your life, either singing or listening? Always, I'm always listening to Jewish music. Uh, mm. It's so touching and 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 um, and moving and. Um, at the gym, sometimes I listen to like Hasidic uh, wedding music mm. uh, on planes. I listen to uh, Israeli singers, uh, Jewish singers, Avram Fried, Mordechai Ben David, Shweki, mm. Eli Levin is an amazing singer that's uh, very heartsick. Um, mm. and, and cantors, I love listening to cantors if I get in the right headspace. Um, it's mm. it's am amazing. Yeah, that's, that's so special. And, uh, yeah. you know, 
I love to talk about music and comedy. I guess I always, in my, in my job, I always think about what is Jewish music. And to me, Jewish music was probably a lot easier to define before George Gershwin was born. And I wonder about Jewish comedy, if it was easier to define before the phenomena of something like Seinfeld, where now people, some people can't tell the difference between American comedy and Jewish comedy. I was just curious how you would define Jewish comedy. Jewish comedy is when you're, again, you're giving the world through Jewish eyes. Jerry Seinfeld is a is a comedian who is Jewish. Right. He's not a Jewish comedian. Mm -hmm. If you've seen his material, it's uh, it's not about his, uh, his, his eyes as a husband, his eyes as somebody who's looking for a parking spot, mm -hmm. not a Jewish uh, way uh, in, in his eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I first became aware of you in the film when Jews were funny. And the person yeah. who put that film together to he he it seemed like he really missed his grandparents and people who had the eastern european you know uh tone rhythm and i guess seinfeld definitely has that cadence you're speaking about is that is there a, a jewish part you know how important is the cadence or the voice because i think in the movie his point was that the voice is disappearing and then jewish comedy is going to go away so i'm going to tell you i'm not a massive fan of that of that documentary you saw Right. Uh, just, I just, it, I happened to have been lucky. Yeah. He was doing this, this guy was doing this documentary with no rhyme or rhythm. Mm -hmm. I don't think he had a point and you can see some of the comedians were frustrated and like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And what do you want? Uh, luckily I got edited very, very well <laughs> and came off looking very good. Some mm -hmm. of the comics snapped on him like, what the hell are you talking about? And he really didn't have like a, a direct point of what really he was like looking at. Grandparents, honestly. Is, but but of the, 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 I think if I remember at the end, it was all about how he married somebody who wasn't Jewish. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, that he was like going this whole way just to say, mm -hmm. and that's why I married a woman who's not Jewish. I, I, I don't know what his... I remember my manager called me and said, there's this guy doing a, do a documentary. He's in a suite in a hotel in New York. Go mm. do it. I mm. did it. And I and and it was aimless. Mm. His questions had no rhyme or rhythm or purpose. And it wasn't a and I just luckily, I, luckily in the editing room, he had Rahmanis on me and made me look good. Mm. Other comics just snapped and blew up at him. So that's not my main, uh, I'm not a, a huge fan of that, right. but uh, I'm glad people love that, 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 that my, my, my clip in there. So I'll Your clips amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll thank. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. with, the, with the Holocaust survivor story. Right. There was like, yeah, there was, <laughs> um, which is a true story. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, with would you share or, that? Or it was the. It was the. Watch it. <laughs> that was the best story. It was. Uh, it was literally one time I was having uh, Shabbat dinner at a friend's house in, uh, in in Brooklyn, and we went to synagogue and we went back to the house, and then there was this conversation conversation about somebody in the synagogue who, I forgot what he did. I think he took a book and didn't return it, or he moved a chair, or something <laughs> so petty and ridiculous. But everybody was just talking about how he's just a, this guy is just a pain and, and, you know, how can he bring it, take a book and I'll bring it back and how can he move the chair and it's not his chair. And then this Holocaust survivor who's sitting next to me with like the short sleeve shirt, you could see, you can see the number on his arm out of nowhere in Yiddish just says, um, 
He says, "Ich gedenken from the lager. Like I know him from I know him from the camps, which is so insane. <laughs> and, and it's like you know, boom, he has the room's attention. And he said there was one night where I had a potato and he didn't have a potato, and I gave him my potato. And then he said, if I knew he'd be behaving the way he's behaving today, I wouldn't have given him the potato. I I want to tell you, I had never laughed so hard in my life." I literally, and he meant it like, I don't know if he was saying it funny or he meant it funny or he just said, you know, or just, or probably he's probably been telling that story that he gave him a potato for a thousand years already, <laughs> but it was just so, it the timing of it was just brilliant, mm. brilliant. I, I love that story. Yeah. Sharing that. <laughs> and yeah. You know, we talk a lot about Jewish comedy versus or Jewish comic versus a comic who is Jewish. And I read this quote I wanted to share with you. It's Mel Brooks. He kind of sees it as uh, New York versus Jewish comedy. Can I just share this quote with you? He said, mm -hmm. Yiddish comedy or Jewish comedy has to do with Jewish folklore, Shalom Aleichem, that kind of stuff. The mistakenly called, quote, Jewish comedy of the great comics was really New York. It was the streets of New York, the wise guy, the sharpness that New York gives you that you can't get anywhere else, but you can get on the streets of Brooklyn. Jewish comedy was softer and sweeter. New York comedy was tougher and more explosive. There's some cruelty that you find in New York humor that you wouldn't find in Yiddish humor. In New York, you make somebody who you make fun of somebody who walks funny. You never find that in Shalom Aleichem. You'd feel pity. There's no pity in New York. There's reality and a brushstroke of brutality in it. Okay. It's a lot. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, That's a lot. <laughs> To, to process. Yeah. Well, um, I will definitely say New York Jews and Jews outside of New York uh, see the world a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We are, and I, f someone who performs for Jews all over the world, mm -hmm. I will say one thing. What's amazing when you do shows in the middle of America, whatever the event, whatever the Jewish event is, they all come to. Mm -hmm. Me being one of the Jewish events. Um, because there's not much happening. This is it. Montreal, for example, when the Jewish shows come to Montreal, packed. They're all when I come to Montreal, two sold-out shows uh at the at the comedy festival, the Montreal Comedy Festival. If I'm performing, they all come. It, it, religious, not religious, Sephardic, Ashkenazi, mm -hmm. young, old, they all come. There's a Jewish event happening. Let's go. Let's do it. There's a Jewish fundraiser. Let's go. Let's do it. New York, there's so much happening. Mm -hmm. Every last night, there were five different events to raise money for, for the war. Literally, there was an FIDF event. There was a Hatzala event. There was something at somebody's house in Long Island. Mm -hmm. There's so much happening. So the New York Jews are, you know, it's not like um, out of town Jews, mm -hmm. um, which, is, which probably is that is that not, is a nice way to refer to Jews who don't live in New York, out of town Jews. Uh, we, we call we call them out of town Jews. Um, <laughs> But it's it's a different vibe, you know. But I love performing in the middle of America. I've shows in Milwaukee coming up, in mm. in Atlanta, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. They mm. come in from all the areas. It's so wonderful. It's so, for me, that's Mashiach energy. Mashiach mm. energy. For those who aren't familiar with that concept, Mashiach energy, would you mind explaining that? Uh, uh, Mashiach energy. Mashiach is in the Messiah. It's it's uh, the messianic time when when you just see that the whole world is living in harmony, in peace, everyone getting along, Jewish, not Jewish. Um, and when I do my shows, when I see my shows, I feel like 
I really feel like Mashiach is already here, uh, mm. like literally in the present, mm. not like we want Mashiach, uh, you know, where it's, you're creating the state of want. I believe Mashiach is here. We're, we're not here. We're not mm. here. He's here. The, mm. the messianic energy is here, but we just have. So once in a while you get it, it's revealed to you. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little, there's a revealment of it. Something amazing happens at this event, you, uh, a health result, uh, a, a comedy show, a music show that everybody's singing along with you. It, it's, you just see Mashiach energy. I, and I just, I really believe that uh, Mashiach is here and we just need to get uh, here. Yes, we're we're lucky to have a, a gift and to be a vessel of so much yeah. energy, really. Yeah. And, you know, did you have a mentor? Would you or would you say that you had a mentor for comedy? Yeah, no. I wouldn't say somebody took me under their wing and I went on the road with them. Hmm. I, I I did. I really I I had influences. You know, I got to see amazing comedians. I when I began doing comedy it was before YouTube, so I had to go to the museum of television and film and watch these old comedians that I loved. And I caught the tail end of the Catskills, so I was actually able to see, you know, you know, back then there was two shows when I would see the comic before, the comic after, and watch some stylings of like amazing, amazing comedians, like comedies that like, comedians like you don't see today, because back then it was a it was a, a performance rather than a comic a comedy act where they had to get, you, you know, today you got to get that bit out in. 59 seconds mm -hmm. so they can clip it and put it on instagram back mm -hmm. then you took your time you built up you boom and then you hit it with the punchline it's a different world but i can't to answer your question i don't know if i had any one individual mentor that knew he was my mentor right, you right. know i again watched clips and uh for cadence and timing from other comedians and um but I, no, no one, I never toured with anybody. Mm. I never like, like a lot of comedians you see, they, they're on the road with David Tell and they're on the road with uh, with Andrew uh, Schultz. And uh, and I never, I was never on that. I was on my own little journey. It works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, everybody, everybody has their own comedic journey. Totally. Well, one of the yeah. hardest things for me was learning how to perform in front of my heroes. Did you ever have... That experience, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. One night I was at a comedy club, small little comedy club, um, in New York, a hundred seats max. Mm. And I went up there just to do, you know, you try new material, you, you, you take the room just to like throw, literally throw stuff out and see where it goes. And for some reason, Jackie Mason was in the show that night. And somebody told me that J J J Jackie Mason's coming in. He was there to see, I don't know what he was doing there. Mm. And I did a 45 minute set in front of Jackie Mason. I have a picture from that night. It mm. was, um, it was, it was mind blowing <laughs> to perform in front of Jackie Mason. And at the end, you know, we got together and the owner of the club said to him, Mr. Mason, did you know that uh, the New York Times said that Modi is the new Jackie Mason? So he says, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm I'm the, I'm still the Jackie Mason. And it was really, really amazing. <laughs> was yeah. it cracking? I mean, were you in your head? Was it? 
Was it a scary experience? Or it was, it- I enjoyed it. I was like, I did not do any new material. I went up there and did what I knew was going to kill. Mm-hmm. And he enjoyed it and he loved it. And, um, and it was, uh, it was a great, great night. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I just had a couple more questions before we open it up to the audience. I, I uh, I had a teacher once who told me about getting into music and the arts. They said, uh, don't do this unless you absolutely feel that you have to. Would you say the same about what you do? Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine not, not, not doing it. I can't even imagine not doing it. It's I, I can't. I can't. Uh, you know, that's why you see comedians working right till they drop dead. Yeah. <laughs> right till they right till they drop. I remember doing a show one time with the Friars Club, as you mentioned. Hmm. Um it was a show so long ago. It was they 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 put the young comics with the old comics on. So we had uh, a few of the young comedians and Sid Caesar was on this on the show, uh, Robert Klein was on the show, Pat Cooper was on the show, hmm. and Henny Youngman was in the audience in a wheelchair. And they brought the mic down to him and they had propped it right by his face. And he just, boom, 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 just joke after joke after joke after joke. And it was, it was uh, unbelievable. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, I just had one more question, then we'll open it up to the audience. I was really just curious. I mean, obviously, Instagram and social media is such a big part of what you do now. And I was just curious. Uh, you know, it, was that a tough ad- adjustment or do you, do you, I mean, cause, cause you, you got to go out and film a lot of your stuff that people will come and see. I'm just curious how you really like adapt to, to all this Instagram stuff. Has it been, t- I don't know if the question's coming out correctly, but I know, listen, then- it's uh it's another world. It's a different, yeah. uh, like I said before, no one has patience over 59 seconds and that's being generous right mm-hmm. that's being generous you better catch them in that first three seconds you better get them right away or they're gonna scroll mm-hmm. right away or not like your instagram post um uh so that's a part of it you want to make sure you get that the the punchline in quickly it's amazing. It's a it's a blessing that you're able to be in people's phones, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and you're a part of their world, and they share it, mm-hmm. and they um, it, it's 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 that there's evil and there's good in the phone in the in in all the social media, and um, we've used it for the good. We've you know I've I do the cameos, which bring people so much happiness to just for me to do a, a recording for them to wish them a happy birthday or wish their family someone in their family a happy birthday anniversary mm-hmm. they give me some specifics I, I generalize it for them um when I saw the soldiers doing one of my jokes on the front line that was like wow you know wow what an amazing event it, it's just it, it's 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 a blessing it just puts you out there and um you know, I have over a quarter million followers on Instagram and then you have the TikTok and all the other stuff. But it's um, it's it. I think it's a blessing that so you have to use. Yeah. So it doesn't make your job harder necessarily. It's harder in um, it, it makes it harder in that you're burning through material. Hmm. So once a joke goes up and everybody knows it, you it's can you do it or can't you do it on on uh, at a show? If mm-hmm. you're seeing now, if you watch a lot of comedians, they're doing audience work. 
Right, right. So they come up there. Hey, where are you from? Oh, where are you? What do you do? Oh, you must be rich. Ah, ha, ha. And it's mm. really boring. It's really like annoying. But mm. this way, they're not burning through actual material. They're yeah, doing yeah. crowd work, mm -hmm. which I am not a huge fan of. Okay. I have jokes. I have material. Let's get this going. If I do work with the audience, it's always usually very funny. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, it's not my thing. And these comics go up there and just all day long. What do you do? Where are you from? Is this your first date? Is this your second date? Hoping that something funny will come out of their mouths. Mm -hmm. This way they're not burning through their actual right. material because mm -hmm. you have got to feed that machine. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to feed that. The You've got to feed it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to deal with. Well, here's the actual last question on my end. I promise. You've been but... asking the last question for the past 46 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> You're right. Well, I know uh, you've, the Jewish community loves you and has really embraced you. And I know you love playing in middle America and stuff. I was just curious if you ever experienced anti-Semitism. Now, yes. Yeah. Uh, more than ever now, you know, mm -hmm. uh, arranging security for all the shows in Europe. Um Seeing it, seeing it, we saw the demonstrations in Paris that were mind-blowing. Just, you know, asking somebody, what what are they saying? And saying, literally kill Jews. Literally, they were screaming, kill Jews. Um, uh, they, I'm seeing it now. I, I never really saw it. I really never, and now... I'm on conference calls with my, my the, the the producers of the shows in Europe re regarding speaking to police departments, speaking to the embassy, mm. speaking to to uh, like that shouldn't be a part of comedy, right? Right. But mm -hmm. it, it's that's it's become that. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for all of you do, that you do seriously. And that, yeah. one, that last last question. I'm excited to see you in Atlanta. Uh, yes, Atlanta, uh, November, yes, November yes. 14th, right? That will be uh, December 14th. Yes. December 14th. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, I'm excited for that. And I know there's some people here excited to ask you some questions. So let's go for it. Back. Yeah. Great. Thank you both so much for that great conversation. Um, Modi, someone wants to know, were you funny growing up? And what did your parents think when you said you were quitting banking and going into comedy? I uh, was not the class clown, if that's the question. I was always able to get a laugh at a table, you know, and there's a difference between being a table comic and a stage comic. I'm sure you have friends who are very funny at a table. At a dinner, they can get the place because they know everybody and they know what everybody knows. And they know, you know, we all share. For example, all comics have jokes about flying and, and stewardesses and airplanes because it's something everybody shares. So when you're a table comic, you know, you, you know, the room, you know, every, you know, you know, the specifics of everybody at the table. So you can be funny when you do it on stage. That's when you really find out if you're funny or not. So I was never, I, I was I was always amusing at the table, but to find out if you're a real comic and not just a table comic, that's a big difference. <clears throat> uh, somebody wants to know, um, your shows in Europe, um, are they in English? And also do you speak Yiddish? Okay. Shows are in English. Okay. The shows are in English and people in Paris, I don't know what they were thinking. I guess some maybe thought maybe it would be in French. I don't know what uh, I perform in English. The show jokes are written in English. I do speak Yiddish. 
Um, but the shows are not in Yiddish. I can deliver a punchline in Yiddish and then translate it, but I am not. Uh, the shows are in English everywhere. In Germany, they got every joke. They were like, they spoke English like Americans. Amsterdam, they get, they're going to get it, you know. Um, I think Brussels and I think Frankfurt also will be. Paris was a little strange because you can see that they were they were getting the jokes, but they were following more the cadence of the jokes, you know. So they were like da 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 pa pa pam, and they knew to laugh, but their English was not great. Interesting. Uh, is are jokes uh, is comedy different in Israel compared to the United States? Comedy is dependent on the who's d delivering it. But in Israel, again, like I mentioned, table comic, you're talking about a country that has, I don't know how many million people that are all experiencing the same thing. They've all been to the army. They all know, they know everybody in the government. Whereas in America, if I did a joke about the senator of North Dakota, no one's going to know what the hell I'm talking about. If I imitated the 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 governor of uh, of Mississippi, no one's going to know what the hell I'm saying. Whereas in Israel, you have the entire government as a a uh, as uh, as material, and they're all experiencing the same stuff, and they all go to the same DMV, and it, where it's different here. Yeah. Sounds like everybody has problems with the DMV. <laughs> yes, but I'm just just as an example. But yeah. Um. Do you, have you ever been booed on stage, and how do you handle it? Booed? No, I've never been booed. I can't say that. Do you know when it? Have you had times when jokes don't work? Yeah, but you just pop right into you. You address. They go, well, that that bombed, and you moved right on. And they they love they they love when you address that a joke doesn't work, and then you just move right on to something that does, and get them back. Uh, folks are really curious about some of the other comics uh, from past years. Have you ever met David Brenner or Joan Rivers or Richard Pryor? And I believe I saw in an article that somebody compared you to Richard Pryor. One of the biggest compliments I've ever had in my life. Um, uh, uh, Jamie Masada, who's been doing comedy and had a comedy, has a comedy club for about 40 years now, um, who saw Richard Pryor and Robin Williams grow up. And he said when he watched the audience of my show, he'd never seen laughter that strong since Richard Pryor and uh, and Robin Williams. And I was, I literally, I had to sit down when, when I saw that in the article, um, which was amazing. But I never met them. I, I, I'm sorry, I did meet Robin Williams. He came to the Comedy Cellar a few times. I have a picture with him at the comics table. Very, very sweet. Very, very nice. It was it was really a, a treat to meet him. Um, and the other question was, did I meet uh, Joan Rivers? I opened for her twice. Three, uh, th three times I opened for her. There was a blast. It was a uh, legend, legend. She was, um, I don't know if you ever saw, she she worked, she had her notes in front of her always. And she... Uh, she introduced the opening act by saying she'd come down in her curlers and her whole stuff. And you did 20 minutes before she went on. So they were about to just undo her curlers and she'd come on and she'd go to me. What's your name? I go M M Modi. And she'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the best comic I can get in his price range, Modi. And then you went on. She did all of her stuff and she always took everything from the green room. 
she left nothing in the she took not a bottle of a wine the fruit the basket the the, the raisinets everything she took <laughs> yeah really i nice. mean her her team she had a team obviously she wasn't there alone mm -hmm. but they took everything um how do your non-Jewish audiences, or if there's some non-Jews in the audience, how do they react? Do you ever have to translate your references uh, on stage? I always ask if there's non-Jews, and then I make the show, uh, like, whenever anything Jewish happens in the show, I stop and translate to them. And in the translation, there's so much comedy, and they love it, and um, it's great. Uh, with the rise in anti-Semitism, especially on college campuses, uh, do you think there's a way to use humor to, one, you talked about before, your shows were bringing Jews together, but also bridging Jews and non-Jews. Can you do that through comedy? Yeah. Um, you know, you know uh, if, if you're just sitting there la laughing together, instead of uh, screaming at each other with holding different flags, if you can sit and laugh together, it's Mashiach uh, energy, and it's um, and it's a way to unite. And even if it's not, and if, even if it's only Jewish people in the in the audience, uh, bringing them together, there's an energy in that. There's an, there's a the big big energy in that. So I, I I would tell all college kids, you know, I don't know if there's a comedy show nearby, but go to your Hillel, go to your Chabad on campus, which is amazing, and. Uh, even if you don't keep Shabbat or religious or anything like that, just go to be, just go for Friday night services. You can go out afterwards. Um, but it's, it, it's nice to be a part of, you'll feel like you're a part of the community. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, are there any upcoming comics we should be looking out for? And are you mentoring any of them? I, I, I love uh, the opening for me, Elon Altman, Eric Newman, um, uh, Alex Edelman, I don't know if he's up and coming or already came and went, but Alex Edelman is uh, um, a genius, genius comedian. Uh, with a, he, he has a show called One of Us. You should definitely interview him. Um, and he's he's wonderful. Um, there are, I'm very bad with names, but there are some great comedians coming up. And, and uh, I always say support live comedy. And like I said, if you see a comedy show in your area of a comic that you think you will enjoy, be the friend who brings the friends to the comedy show. Pick up like six tickets. By the time the show comes, people will be looking for tickets. I promise you, what one of the friends that you, you're bringing really needs to have a laugh. Uh, be, be the friend who brings the friends to, to the comedy show. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And as we yeah. wrap up, uh, would you mind, I, I saw the, uh, I think I saw you posted on, uh, Instagram, the the Israeli soldiers doing your joke. Would you yeah. mind being that it's Thursday night, Thursday afternoon? Uh, uh, do that joke for us as we as we. No, it's not a joke. It's just you know, Sephardi people say Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, and Ashkenazi is and it's just, it's just, it just, uh, it just make sure you're laughing at it and not comparing it. And uh, and I really do wish all your viewers a Shabbat Shalom and a uh, and. Uh, and stay safe and laugh. Find time to take a break from your phone and and uh, and, and have a laugh. Mm. And you. make sure to come to my shows, modilive.com. Find a show near you. We have a tour. By the time this comes out, uh, when is this airing? Now. Now. Okay, so that's it. <laughs> uh, I have a big tour being announced on Tuesday. Uh, over 13 cities, 
Boston and uh, Cleveland and uh, and um, and Washington uh, D.C. and oh, a million places and just modilive.com uh sign up for the contact we were very good we just send it to you where you are not li- i'm not going to send you shows that are not in your in your area uh and again be the friend who brings the friends to the comedy show yes thank you very much i put a, a link to uh modilive.com uh also please uh i think jeff uh told me that uh, proceeds from your show are going to be going, some of them are going to be going to various organizations. Uh, And so we will be sending out a follow-up email to everybody who registered today. I'll include the link to today's program, to Modi's website, to Naranana, to Moment, and I'll include the list of organizations that Modi is supporting. Yeah, Um, and also the merchandise on uh, on the website. We have Mashiach Energy hats and yarmulkes and mugs and all kinds of fun stuff just to remind you that Mashiach is here. Um, uh, proceeds of that also go to to charities, and um, yeah, that's what that's what we can do. We we if we're not on the front lines, you can help financially, even if it's a little bit or a lot of bit. You know, it's easy. Venmo is just you're sitting there watching the war, and you're like, what the hell can I do? Send send a little something. It's it's so it's it's so healthy for you for you. It's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you, Modi, for helping us take a break. Thank uh, you. Most uh, surely needed by everybody. And we will see everybody next time. Thank you, Joe, and to Naranana for helping to sponsor today's program. Of course. Thanks for having us. Thank take you. Care. Wow. It was such a treat speaking with Modi today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Joe Alterman. I'm the executive director of the Atlanta-based concert and culture series, Naranana. To find out more information about Modi, please visit modilive.com. That is M-O-D-I-L-I-V-E dot com. And to find out more information about Naranana, please visit naranaarts.org. That is N-E-R-A-N-E-N-A-H-A-R-T-S dot org. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to today's conversation. It was really a treat. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll tune in next time.